Kind of whimpered off there a little bit. Welcome back to the movie Draft House. I'm your host, Mark, joined by also host Jeff. You're really, really just trying. You're pushing in today. You're giving it all you got. You're full sending it. And I'm here for it. <laughs> What's going on, Jeff? Oh, man, I'm in a great mood. It's musical month. Uh, we've got great music this month as well from the Floozies. I love this song, and it's funky like you and I. And yeah, what I no, mean is sure. not bathing. So it's funky in a different way, I guess I should have said. Can you be funky while bathing? You could be funky because you didn't bathe, but yes. If you're listening to the uh, floozies while bathing, you're probably having a pretty good day. Right. I feel like you've won. I, th- I feel like you are the winner. Yeah. You are winning. Listening to the floozies and bathing at the same time. And having dinner, like sp- a spaghetti bolognese. Forget about it. <laughs> spaghetti bolognese. What the f- I don't know, man. Tell people, like, you got to go check out the floozies. Look for them. Hey. On your, uh, the song is Find This. No. Find This Love? F- find This Love. It's on all of your favorite streaming services. Go check them out. It's funky. It's upbeat. When you're down, it'll bring you up. And I know that they would appreciate you at least giving them a try. And uh, bro, they they literally tell everybody they would kill everybody in the song for for you. Yeah, for you specifically listening to this. You specifically, not the me listener, and Mark. They would no. No, we're the dead guys. We're, I mean, we're no, we're dead and making this podcast. No, I don't understand. Okay, but anyways, they would kill everyone in the world. For you, for you, you being the person listening to this right now. Yes, you, you the listener. That means Mark and I would be those being killed. Ah, we would be dead. in that group. We would be as dead. We are not listening. Unless we are back listening, and then it's, okay, never mind. So it's musical month, ladies and gentlemen, and it's been a doozy of a month. I think it's been pretty positive so far with... I've enjoyed the month. I'm just gonna, not going to lie. I've enjoyed the even, month. Even the, the, the stage fright, you know? We didn't necessarily give it a thumbs up, but that doesn't necessarily even mean it's bad. It just means... Right. We, I mean, I don't think we hated yeah, it. Yeah. It just, just means it doesn't get the recommendation. And Right. It was... It was we hold the recommendation close to our hearts. But... We choose... We're the ones that choose the recommendations around it, these yeah, parts. Exactly. So we watched um, something I'm, I've never watched before, and... I'm ashamed to say I hadn't because it's filled with classic SNL stars. It's directed by Frank Oz. It has a runtime of an hour and 34 minutes, which, if you know me, is half the battle. It is a... I'd say it's like 85% of the battle with you. Yeah. It's a a comedy horror musical. Horror, soft on the horror. Sci-fi, maybe? Sure. 
because the plant's an alien, right? We watched right, Little Shop of Horrors from 1986. Um, it stars Rick Moranis. It was directed, as I said, by Frank Oz. It stars Rick Moranis, uh, Ellen Green, uh, Lee. Okay, Levi Stubbs is the voice of the plant, who is like a yeah. funk. He's from the Pips or something. I can't remember where he's from. What group was it? Levi Stubbs is from the. I don't know. I can't remember. It says in the credits, like he's part of some classic soul group, um, and he's awesome. He's awesome. Uh, and then there's uh, uh, Trisha Arnold, Michelle Weeks, and Tisha Campbell who play a trio of the four tops. Bro. The four tops. Thank you. I'm sorry. Uh, we got John Candy, Jim Belushi, Christopher Guest in a brief role where I didn't even recognize him. Uh, Bill Murray and a host of others. Um, Mark, how are you doing today? How did you feel? Is this your first time watching Little Shop of Horrors? Yeah, so I had... Yes, uh, the short answer is yes, this is my first time watching this movie. However, I, I recognize one of the songs is because... I recently watched a movie uh, with Charlie Day in it, and it's a uh, it's a romantic comedy. It's on Amazon. It just came out, and I'm, I'm trying to th- remember what the name of the movie was. Um, but in the movie, oh, the movie's "I Want You Back," and Charlie Day plays uh, a a guy who gets dumped. And he meets a girl who also gets dumped, and they plot to win their significant others back by sabotaging their current relationships. Anyways, um, in this movie, um, uh, a chick in this movie sings one of these songs that was in in Little Shop of Horrors, and it's suddenly um, uh, Seymour. I think it suddenly is. Seymour. What? What a yeah. random song to be singing. Right. No, it was re- but it the uh, the I want you back movie with Charlie Day. Was he see had... is he Seymour? Well, is his name Seymour? No, no, no. The 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 female in this in I want you back, the female lead, um I forget her name, but anyways, uh Jenny Slate. She weasels her way into a, a high school musical production of Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, okay. And and she is tasked with like singing the song suddenly Seymour, and like I'd never seen the movie before, so watching uh, this movie I Want You Back before Little Shop of Horrors, I'm like I don't give a fuck about any of this stuff. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing right now. And then watching Little Shop of Horrors, I'm like, wait a minute. I'm the Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio gif, you know, him pointing at the TV, going, I know that song. Um. No, my overall thoughts on this movie are: Come on. Rick Moranis is incredibly miscast here. Oh God, he's starting um, off negative. Okay, no, no, go no, ahead, go ahead. I, I, I enjoyed the production oh, of this of this film. Uh, I enjoyed that it it almost has a stage like presence. The whole movie has a stage like presence. You feel like everything is done on a stage. Um, I enjoyed the the practical effects of this film, and uh, I overall I enjoyed the 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 music. 
Uh, however, I did, the overwhelming detractor from this film is Rick Moranis. I'm going to and... slap this man virtually through the podcast. Okay, so here we go. Let's let's run a couple things down because I am going to stop you here because okay. I have problems with where you're going now. Uh, no, Rick Moranis is Rick Moranis is an '80s wonder kid. All right, listen. I, I uh, will Rick not, Moranis you know is one of the Rick, biggest movie stars in the '80s. Rick Moranis he, is one of the truly good people in this world. And I don't care about his character. He's. I don't care about the dude. He's good man. in this movie. We're talking about the movie. He's, no, wait. yes, he is. Now you, he is supposed to play a nerdy, geeky guy, and he is nerdy. He's not a good singer. He doesn't do a bad job. So your main he complaint no is that he job. can't sing. He at least yes, sings his own parts. The, I don't know the main. The main he sings. I don't know that Ellen like Green three sings or four her parts. different songs. Anyway, listen. He, oh my god! Okay. I didn't expect All this. Right. I didn't expect to be angry after watching this movie, which brought no, me joy. Listen, I'm not angry. I'm angry. I, why, why are you angry? Because you're wrong again. <laughs> okay, let's slow down. Okay, little shop That's of horse. Now the reason is no, it's not. Now <laughs> the reason little shop of horse looks like a stage uh, is because it is based on a play. A musical that's play also based on a that's movie based on a movie so it's three <laughs> degrees of separation it's there's an original little shop of horrors horror movie directed and created by roger corman that was then converted into a play which has now been converted into a movie again so this is a musical version of the original movie little shop of horrors so all the music is based on that original musical and that's why you get that stage feel. The sets, there aren't a lot of sets, right? You got the shop, you got the dentist office, and uh, the radio station. And I think that's it, right? Most everything else happens down here on Skid Row, which is the neighborhood that they live in. And uh, the little shop is a florist that is having a hard time getting any sales whatsoever. No one even walks in. Uh, working at this shop is Rick Moranis's character Seymour, uh, as of suddenly Seymour. Now, Rick Moranis is a great human being. When his wife passed at a young age, he quit Hollywood to raise his children. He's a good dad, and I will not have you say anything. Listen, that's I, I didn't say Rick anything Moranis. about the man's character. Good human being, the man. Could be the could be a saint. I I, I, I get it. It's fine. I great guy. I, I hope he is a saint. I, I hope he did raise his kids. Than some people and, want to know. And he left Honey I Shrunk uh The Doritos. The kid, the, right. I hope he left that behind and, and he did. told his kids don't don't make bad Those movies. Those aren't anymore. bad movies. <laughs> okay. Now you're calling this a bad movie? Because now we have big problems. This is a great movie. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, Mark, you really... Mm. Okay, so uh, it is a musical, and the musical numbers, in my opinion, are fantastic. It starts off with the Little Shop of Horrors theme. It's sung sort of by this trio that's yeah, almost like the, the main, narrators. they're the main characters of this movie. Yeah. They're omniscient, and but they also play three other characters that are not unrelated, but they play a smaller role. Uh, in the film and those are like your narrators and then running the shop is uh, Mr. Mushnick 
uh, Rick Moranis' character Seymour and Audrey. Now, Audrey is a buxom blonde who's dating. Now, one problem with this movie. Let, I'll get into some problems. It is pretty cavalier with uh, domestic violence. Audrey is often coming to work one time in a sling, one time with a black eye, because she's dating a scumbag. Steve Martin. Which I didn't know that Steve Martin played that guy. That was such a great reveal for me, and I belly laughed. Um, because I love Steve Martin. And but you could tell the, the part the part Steve Martin plays he's is fantastic. Awesome, man. He is so good. <laughs> Him and the voice of the plant are like perfect. And then Bill Murray's cameo is unbelievable. Just uh, like Comedy 101, if you want to see Masters of Comedy, watch the dentist scene with Bill Murray and Steve Martin. It's something special. I is I, I may be wrong and like speaking out of my ass here, but probably I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that's the only time that Bill Murray and Steve Martin have shared a screen together. That can't be true. They were on SNL I, together, right? No, nah, that's man. We're talking TV. I'm talking about movies. That can't be true. But I I mean I guess it could be true, but uh can't be. Literally can't be I true. just don't see it. I mean they they've they've cross pollinated so many times just being in that era and being that, I, that that's SNL. A, that's a plant joke. I appreciate that. I it was unintended, you, but I I'm glad that you caught it. Um No, this film is strong to get and this oh film is helped for me. No, hold on. For me, Little Shop of Horrors is held together by the cameo and guest star performances. I disagree. Steve Martin's Steve Martin is great. Steve Martin is great, Bill, and I don't know that I would consider that a guest star because he is no, yeah, he's. he's I mean, he's a pretty main character. Yeah, he but. is a, a maybe a, a fifth or sixth on the call sheet. I would say, you know, like uh, you, you got the plan, John John Candy. Now he is a bit John more, as yes. as the as the and radio he's host. Not, man. He's fantastic. You liked that part? Oh god. Yes, man. I just found him it, annoying. I mean, I love John. No, Candy, it was, But I thought his performance, and I think it was just the character. I I thought I thought Bill Murray's part was kind of annoying. Oh, um, see, I see. Okay, we just have different but tastes like, there, I guess. But no, but like the 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 movie is held together. By, like the the strong supporting performances that kind of mask the boringness of Rick Moranis. Oh God, he's just he's, he's not, flat out boring in this movie. He's not man. meant to be the flashy. That's the whole point. Is he is the opposite of Steve Martin's character? He's what Audrey needs, right? Audrey doesn't need the flashy guy who's a dentist who rides motorcycles and is a tough guy with leather jacket. What she needs is the nice guy who stays at home and grows plants. He's a botanist, basically. He loves plants. How are you going to make that exciting, and why would you? That's the I, it's, I, it's ridiculous I don't know, criticism but like, because he's a Rick, plant. No, guy. it's not ridiculous oh, yes, criticism. It it's not ridiculous. Listen, He's you watch this movie dull. and you're like you're you're yawning through Rick Moranis' parts once. because you're you're like why why is he here? Because he's you the know, main character of the film. 
Yeah, but what does Rick Moranis have to do with this character? Nothing. What are you talking about? He doesn't bring about? anything Who, okay, to the part. Recast it. He doesn't. He recast doesn't bring. Right. It. Who do you got? Uh, we're talking eighties. So I don't care who. Pick someone. Time you got Ryan a, Gosling. You got a time machine. <laughs> Ryan Gosling. I thought you hated Ryan Gosling. <laughs> I do, but he's he's more Ryan believable Gosling in a be nerdy role than, in this than role, Rick Moranis. You've got Ryan Gosling playing a geeky nerdy. Bumbling, Bro, you strap on some glasses to the guy? baby goose. Let's fucking no, go. No, incorrect. Strap on You'll the glasses. You put them on the strap guy who on. already looks like a botanist. You say, okay, we have a role here. I'm telling you that uh, we have a role where we need someone who's geeky, nerdy, goofy, can bumble around, stumbles over his words, is uncomfortable around women. Nobody ever, ever would say Ryan Gosling. Put some glasses on him, you would. No, he's too handsome. They would say Rick Morandis, maybe a Jason Swartz you could kind of get away with, but it's- A Charlie Day. How about that? that Charlie Day. I could, I could see that working, but you yourself said you find Charlie Day annoying. I but do. I don't think it's, it's better than his Rick voice. Because I find Rick Moranis is the right choice for that type of role. Because he is geeky and nerdy and kind of- and and you could look at like okay what about David Spade he's geeky and nerdy but he's so smug and arrogant it wouldn't work he's not likable Rick Moranis is the guy he's a likable guy I just I I just felt his okay I I will I will grant you this that maybe the role was written to be boring but Rick Moranis maybe does such an effective job oh god that. I was I was like flat out bored when he was on screen. How I was like, bored? because what he's, segment, what scene? Pick of a think of a moment where you're like, I gotta get my phone. any scene he's you in. You can know. I want one. Then, all right, the first scene we see him in. What's he doing? Boring. It's boring. He's dealing with plants. Boring. No. All right. He's he's boringly dealing with plants. He's knocking things over because he's bumbling. Right. And then. Right after that, he meets Audrey, and they have their little chemistry thing, and then he accidentally drops plants, and then his boss is she's, yelling at him. She's annoying, she too, She is absolutely annoying. Unquestionably so. She has this high-pitched, nasally voice. And she's played by Ellen Green. Yeah. And- and, but I, something about it works for this movie to me, because the movie is sort of uh, almost like fairy tale like in its presentation, and I'm okay with it. It is. She is a bit annoying, but it doesn't ruin the movie. No, nah, yeah, she does. I mean, the, 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 nobody ruins this movie because it's a that's, good that's ass the, the movie. <laughs> I just think that more could have been done with the main uh, character. Yeah. Mister, want more scenes? Always want more scenes in movies. Listen, if we ha- if we had a better singer than Rick Moran, he does a good job. He's not bad. It's not like me doing it. You know, it's he does a pretty good job. He's not belting like Ellen Green's character does, which I am not convinced that that's her. Um, I could be wrong, and I apologize to Ellen Green if she's still alive. But <laughs> he, you can tell it's him singing, and I like that, even though he's not the best singer in the world that almost adds more to the charm of the character who is your every man 
I think these criticisms are actually some of the things that benefit the character in the movie. He's the everyman. Now, that does get flipped on his head when he's like a party to murder later on. But, you know, the everyman. Like, my problems with this movie aren't Rick Moranis. My problems with what the movie are your problems with this movie? Is when uh, he's our lead and he assists, like, he doesn't try to save Steve Martin when he's dying. And then he basically doesn't try no, to save Steve Mr. Because Steve Martin Mushnick. doesn't deserve to be saved in this movie. Right. But Mr. Mushnick, he doesn't try to save him. He feeds him to the plant. So, I mean, he's got well, two I mean, bodies I, that he could have saved. And by opting... I mean, Rick, Rick Moranis' character... Seymour is a bit of a psych, psychopath. Yeah, yeah. That's he a, opts for inaction, right? <laughs> uh, and that, I don't know the law on it, but if you are capable of saving someone, you're probably required in some capacity to do something. If they're choking, you can't just be like, who's choking? Am I wrong? Why not? Why not? I don't know. Is that the law? Maybe it is. Maybe he hasn't broken any laws. But he certainly broke the law when he grabbed Steve Martin's body, chopped it up, and fed it to a plant. <laughs> now, Steve Martin, right? So we we they've established that this store is not doing well, and Seymour has a strange and interesting plant that he found at uh, another plant's place uh, that was happened during a uh, total eclipse of the sun. And you get to see the scene, and there's a song, the doo-wop uh, uh, trio is there, and it's great. I like all the music in this. And he takes the plant back, and they put it in the window, and this strange and interesting plant starts attracting guests. One guest in particular... Christopher Guest, who I did not recognize until I watched yeah, the credits. Yeah, he's not a. Yeah, he's not recognizable. Yeah, and once I knew it was him, and they showed his picture, I was like, "Oh yeah, that is him." But it, it's such a small part, right? He's like, "Hey, that's a strange and interesting plant. I'll buy some roses," and that's pretty much the extent of his time. Now, if you wanted to say you? he was wasted, I'd be like, "Yeah, sure." I think Christopher Guest is extremely talented and funny, and they probably could have found more for him. But did you uh, catch Jim Belushi in this? Yeah, I don't. He's not funny to me. He's like a nepotism to me. Like his brother got big and famous and tragically died young. And then they brought in Jim to be like, well, you're. I mean, was it tragic, though? He was young. Was it tragic? Was it drugs? I don't know. It was drugs. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's still whatever. Mark, listen. I have no sympathy for you if you, you know, play into your own demise. Okay, all right, here we go. So much for the days of The Greatest Showman when we were filled with joy and happiness and we wanted the best for our neighbors. <laughs> it didn't take long for that to wear off on you, Mark. <laughs> Remember when that episode came out and we recorded that before uh, Russia invaded Ukraine and you said we need to show this to Putin so he doesn't invade and we didn't. <laughs> And what happened, Mark? <laughs> Listen, I mean, I take full, full responsibility okay. so, for the invasion of Ukraine you, because we didn't play our podcast for Putin. No, not the right? podcast. He had to watch. Our podcast wouldn't have done anything. <laughs> but the movie The Greatest Showman might have helped. It might have. He might have loved right. this neighbor. Absolutely. That's what we're trying to do. So <laughs> anyway, so this plant, business starts to boom. Things start going well. And so... 
you find out that the plant doesn't want water or your normal plant food. It likes blood. So Seymour plucks his fingers and gives it blood and it starts to grow and get big. And there's a point where the plant finally starts to one. Okay. The plant, the practical effects in this movie are mind blowing. Yeah. They, that's my favorite part of this movie. They hold up to this day. You can watch this today and you will not go, Ooh, that looks bad. Ooh, that looks gross. Like, uh, that didn't age. Well, the plant looks amazing and there's so many versions of it from when it's little to medium to medium large to when it's gigantic and it's got all these arms moving around and other baby mouths that sing and it's gorgeous so i looked up the guy that did the puppeteering as a guy named uh, martin b robinson who of course at one point worked for jim henson which would explain why this puppetry Frank is Oz. so amazing amazing right the goat I mean, Frank Oz has a oh, has a right. storied history of a puppetry, right? The Muppet, the Muppets, yeah, yeah. Miss Piggy, and others that I can't think of. Um, he was Fozzie, right? He's Fozzie, I think so. Frank Oz, yeah, he does Fozzie, isn't he? I know he's Miss Piggy know, for sure. Actually. Anyway, the puppetry is worth watching the movie alone. It it it's gorgeous, and there's times where I'm like, how is this not CG? Because the the plant has a lot of singing numbers and a lot of talking and the mouth moves so believably and there there's there's point of view from inside of the mouth like well and then there's the, more than more than 3 times yeah and then there's the point of view in the dentist scene from inside the mouth that's just awesome the the, the effects in this movie are incredible yeah, I, they're the best I think I've seen. I mean, you'd have to compare it to maybe the thing or something like that. But these they look so good. And it's like I, I wish we would get away from CG because here this is, you know, what, 40 years old almost. And it still looks great. And it looks better than if you go and watch Lord of the Rings. Right. Well, and I think that's that's uh, one like why this film is so highly regarded uh, in f- film and musical theater circles is that Frank Oz was able to take something that had been on the stage and give it a movie uh, a presence. I, I don't know. It's not the right word, but movie polish it, maybe. Yeah, in introduce enough things that made it appear like every every dance not dance uh, every uh, musical number. I I felt like I'm like I'm watching a stage production, and that's that's what held my my attention and captivated me pretty much through the entire movie is that I just I felt like. And there's even there's even scenes where a, a character is walking down the street, and you can tell that the backdrop is not real. Yeah, but it's on purpose. The sets and, are so cool, like Skid yeah. Row, and it's cliche to say is a character in the movie, right? The, the the streets and the people in the streets. There's a whole number dedicated to getting out of Skid Row, 
and so you get to see all the neighbors and and everything so it's this very small claustrophobic set which makes you feel like you're watching a play mm-hmm. and i i love that so this is something uh you would probably want to know or point out that this was nominated for two oscars visual effects no. uh that i believe it won no it nominated it didn't win any of them uh nominated for best effects which obviously we've already raved about that and then uh, mean Green, Mother from Outer Space, which is the final song that the plant sings, which is awesome. Um, all good there. I love this movie. I, I like... <laughs> anyway, so the plant needs to eat a human being. And Mick, Rick Moranis knows that Steve Martin is abusive to Audrey. Now, the plant's name is Audrey, too. But... Rick Moranis often just calls him Tui. But that shows his affection for Audrey. And he knows that Audrey is being abused by her boyfriend. And he's only spoken of, right? Yeah, his boy, yeah, the boyfriend, you know, that guy's no good for you, Mr. Mushnik's like, you need to get away from him. And then you finally get introduced to him. And it's Steve Martin riding a bike and I, I, in the I had no idea I had I had no idea that Steve Martin was going to be the the villain right. I, and I loved it so much because I love Steve yeah. Martin but this is such a different role I felt because he's basically Elvis he does yeah. a lot of Elvisy things but he's like evil Elvis and he's got a leather jacket and he's riding the bike and it looks terrible. Like as much as I said, the special effects are great. The green screen here is bad, but it adds to the charm of the character introduction to me. I don't, I, I love it. And he's, you find out that he's a dentist because he's actually a masochist. He loves causing people pain. So he became a dentist. And that's why him and Bill Murray are at odds. Because Bill, when, not yeah, because Bill Murray is a wait. Okay, flip it. Say it. Bill Murray's no. a masochist, right? Because he likes to be in pain, and the other guy would be a sadist. Sadist, yeah. Because he likes making or at least watching right. people in pain, and so there's this great scene. So the introduction of Steve Martin is amazing. He gets his own number. He goes into various rooms of and does dental work on people. And none of them are numbed, you know, and it's and there's all these great utensils that he has that don't look like anything a dentist would ever use. And like, why would you keep why the, like I'm watching this and I'm like, why would you keep going back to this guy? Never. You never would. Like, no, but like people are in the waiting room. And I was like, <laughs> bro, what do you what the fuck are you waiting on? Get the fuck out of there. I Run. I don't know. Maybe it's his charisma because he's the slick guy with the black hair. And that's the thing. One of the it took me a minute to be like, who is this? Because he has black hair. And Steve Martin has been gray since he came out of his mother's womb. Yeah, I, right. I don't that's obviously not true, but that's what it feels like. As long as he's been famous, he has had a full head of white hair. And um, I I can't say enough. The number's great. There's a scene from inside one of his patient's mouth where he's working and the doo-wop singers are behind uh, Steve Martin and the, the even the patient starts singing, but you're seeing it from inside the patient's mouth. It's awesome. There's a lot of that. And I, th- I thought that w- that's an interesting uh, choice as like as Frank Oz as a filmmaker and, and the director here is that 
He's he's choosing to use practical effects to frame his shot in more than one scene, whether it's the the plant uh, or you know in this uh, Steve Martin musical uh, number. It's just that that's a theme through the movie, and it's interesting is because it's all practical. It's you know it's there's there's nothing CG here. It's 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 practical. Uh, effects moving of like the tongue and lips and teeth and and it's just it, it I mean it was cool it was cool to watch this because it's like wait, what are we doing <laughs> like Frank Oz you animal he was having so what? much fun making this movie yeah and I think it shows in the, the the way it's made it felt like the cast was having a great time and now I don't know for certain but this seemed like a set that would be fun to be on uh, you've got the incredible SNL talent, Christopher Guest, who's there probably for two seconds. He was probably walking by the lot and he's like, got anything for me? I don't know why he's in the movie. Go watch Spinal Tap. It's the best. Um, so Seymour is talked into feeding Steve Martin to the plant by the plant. The plant's like, you know that guy isn't good for her. And if I eat him, then you can swoop in and get Audrey. And this is one of the best numbers because anytime the plant is singing, it's awesome. And uh, again, the, the plant is voiced by Levy Stubbs of the Four Tops. Um, it might be Levi Stubbs. I'm pretty sure it's Levi Yeah, Stubbs. and uh, he's good. Oh, he's good. What, 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 what group did he sing in? The Four Tops. That's what you the said. The Four Tops. Yeah, no, that's what I said. I don't know if I've ever like consciously listened to their music. I will look up what they're famous for. Let's see um, what their big number I mean, is here. We got uh, probably. I can't help my sugar pie honey bunch. Oh, sugar pie honey yeah, bunch. What? That's him. Uh, well, with four other, three other people. You need to reach four out to him tops. see if he can have his music one month. Um, sugar pie honey, honey bunch. Listen to me sing and then go back and listen to Rick Moranis and stop and stop. And thank you. Okay. So nobody wants to listen to you do that. Listen, that's a good fucking song. It's a great song. And Levi Stubbs is awesome as Audrey too. He's incredible. And Again, another reason, like, that, his performance is enough for you to come to the theater and watch this movie. Or watch it for, it's on YouTube right now, free with ads. It's on Tubi, free with ads. And then it's on illegitimatemeans.com, where Mark watched it. Now. Free, no ads. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you're like me and you have YouTube Premium, I had no ads, free, legitimatemeans.com. Now. That's another reason to watch the movie. I, 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 the special effects are a reason to go to the theater. The Steve Martin stuff is a reason to go to the theater. Then everything with the plant and Levi Stubbs is a reason to go to the theater. And all three of those but, deliver completely. I, but you have a hard time even arguing with that. No, I, I, I agree with you. It's just the main... I, I, I don't like Rick we Moranis that in, in like this role. People. We realize this. <laughs> I just what you want you want Kevin Spacey to play the role. 
I know. Le- Kevin Spacey probably would have done a much Louis better C- job. That is false. <laughs> you want he now had he played Steve Martin's character? Absolutely. Before you knew that uh, Kevin Spacey was, oh uh, yeah, he was incredible, a bad a bad guy. But then you it thought all he was clicked, the greatest right? thing. I can't watch him anymore. Why? I watched horrible bosses, and I'm like, no, this makes sense. He's not playing a character. Why can't we separate? No, art? you can. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm saying I can't. Like if I see him on screen, all I see is the nasty guy. I just. I, I have a But what if he didn't do those things? Did great. But he did. Why are you letting the media no, depict? Bro, there are some okay. There's some times where you hear rumors and you're like, oh, okay, da, da, da. he did it, bro. Okay. He didn't he, even oh, he deny did it. it. Him and Harvey Weinstein were plotting. Now, Harvey Weinstein for sure did it, right? There are some <laughs> of the ones that come out, you go at first when the Kevin Spacey stuff came out, because I was a fan, right? Uh and I was like, well, let's wait and see. You never know. And then when his denial comes out, sometimes you can see, you can learn more from the denial than anything else. And he doesn't even deny it. He says, he says, I'm living my life as a homosexual now. Yeah, bro. But that's not what we're talking about. It's the year 2000, whatever. Nobody cares if you're gay or not. It's not a big deal anymore. Did you sexually assault these people? He never answers the question. That was. The I mean, he was probably thing. advised not to answer. That's questions. probably true. But then he shouldn't have just come out with that. He could have given a canned statement because I know his lawyers weren't like, go out there and tell everyone you're gay. They probably would have said, don't say anything. No, that's, or they that's a said, diversion tactic. That's a, that's maybe. a, hey, Regardless, Kevin Spacey's he's guilty. gay? He's guilty. What? He's guilty. Okay. Goodness. I'm just saying, I, I like Kevin Spacey, the actor, and like. Listen, I, and that's okay for you, Mark. I'm not judging you. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. A little bit. No. Listen, if you like Roman Polanski movies, have at it. I, I'm never going to watch one. Anyway, that's a digression. I digress. Now, where are we? Oh, so Seymour Butts, Rick Moranis, Seymour Krellborn grabs a gun, <laughs> and he's going to shoot Steve Martin, I guess, but Steve Martin is ready. Steve Martin's high on his own. He gets yeah, high on right. his own laughing gas. He has this contraption on his head. And my wife came in the room while I'm watching. and goes, what the hell are you watching? And I'm like, it's a little shop of horrors. But you couldn't tell. Like, there's no, you see the pause. You like wife sit down and watch art. And he's sitting down. He's got the mask on. And it's these weird tiny balloons feeding him gas. And it's paused, and it's this white clinical office. She's like, what the hell are you watching? It's a little shop of horrors. It sure didn't look Spinal like Spinal tap. Hey, so there was something. I, I saw it on Twitter, and I'm sorry, I can't remember who put it there. But they're like me watching, you know, 30 hours of whatever TV show. Yeah. And then my mom walking in the room when the one sex scene comes on. That is so yeah. true, dude. I was watching <laughs> Double Impact starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. Our boy, June, Van Damme month coming soon. I was watching Double Impact. There's a scene. She, Abby didn't, my wife didn't come in the room the whole time. Except for when the lead female character reaches into the pants 
how Jean-Claude Van Damme grabs, grabs him by the balls. Of course she comes in the room right. What the hell are you watching? Damn it. I feel like you watch the same Jean-Claude Van Damme movie like once a day. No, I don't watch Double Impact once a day. I was watching Double Team, the one with uh, <laughs> Dennis Rodman earlier. <laughs> I feel like like you you just like go through the list of Jean Claude Van Damme Dude, movies. You're doubting my love of Van Damme. I know uh, I'm not. I, I absolutely just, not. I'm not doubting your. When love we get at to all Van Damme month, it's gonna just be you complaining and me being like, <laughs> "Isn't life great?" Because I already know you. You say you like Van Damme, but when it comes down to it, we're gonna watch these movies. And you're we're gonna watch four weeks in a row of it. Yeah, we're gonna. And I've got rules already in place in mind because oh, okay. I'm going to separate the movies from the classics, right? Your time cops, universal soldier, blood sport, uh, kickboxer. I'm going to move them to one side. You can pick one of those, but then you got to pick one of these random ones that are probably horrible. It's going to be great. All right. <laughs> Moving. So I guess he dies breathing uh, ODs on laughing gas because there's like a regulator that breaks and he ODs on laughing gas. He's dead. So Rick Moranis chops him up. He gets seen by Mr. Mushnick. And Rick Moranis throws Steve Martin into the plant. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Great. Thanks for your input. No, <laughs> no, it's fine, Mark. I'll do this alone. So no, uh, the uh, Mushnick guy sees him, and he's like, he all of a sudden is like, oh, you, you. He doesn't even inquire like, what were you doing? He just automatically assumes that he was dumping a body, and I mean, correct assumption, but well, because it comes out that the guy is missing, right? Steve Martin's missing, and this allows him to swoop in, and and odd. Then the suddenly Seymour song comes up. And uh, Audrey and Seymour are a couple, and the the store is booming, and Seymour's kind of getting crushed by the weight of popularity. Um, where he's like, "I just want to get out of town." Uh, and and so does Audrey at this point. So we're gonna kind of rush through this last bit because it's really like you said, the musical numbers. You gotta see them. There's so many good ones. Any of them with the plant is amazing. And so Rick Moranis goes to the store, packs up, and the plant's like, hey, I need more food. So he's like, okay, I'll go get you some meat. But Mr. Mushnick is there, and he's like, I know you killed him. But well, then he starts to wanting to blackmail uh, Rick Moranis. So Rick Moranis allows him to be eaten by the plant. The plant just gulps him up. It's great. And I, di I didn't understand, like... Like, the Mushnick guy was, I mean, he wasn't, like, a great guy before, but he was kind of a good guy. I mean, I mean he was, he was the... trying to look out for, and yeah. even Seymour says, hey, he got me off the streets. He was yeah. telling Audrey, hey, you got to get out of that bad relationship. He cared enough to say that, right? Right. And, and like, I know, Seymour this is... just feeds him to the plant. Right. And it's like, what the fuck? There you go, Mark. <laughs> Valid criticism. He... Allows him to be eaten. He got me off the streets, man. I was stuck on the streets of Skid Row. And he just is like, here, plant, eat the guy. It's awesome. And, like, the, you know, at this point, the plant, you know, is, what, eight feet tall? It's and, huge. It fills up yeah. the whole store. Yeah. And I feel like the, the practical effects in, in <sighs> going forward from this point 
are even more impressive. They're so good. Like they get better and better. So even like early yeah. on, it's this tiny plant. There's a little bit of movement and it does this kissing sound with its lips and it can open its maw and shut it. And I'm, man, that looks pretty good still. It looks pretty good. And then it gets a little bigger and its mouth can open wider and you see all the detail inside the mouth. And then it starts talking and it's like amazing because it's it moves like, you know, when puppets move, there's no. I'm going to use a word. I don't know if it's the right one. Gesticulation in the lips. Mm. They don't move. It's just up and down, up and down this. The lips move and it enunciates the words. It's so cool. Yeah. And then it gets bigger. And you would think being bigger would show you more of the flaws, but what it does is it allows you to see more of the amazing details on what is one of the best pieces of practical effects I've ever seen in my entire life. Hey, bite your tongue. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were released in 88, all right? Yeah, but they don't look as good as this plant does. And I love... <laughs> hold on. Donatello, man. He's... I, I Corey Listen, Feldman, Splinter? man, Donatello, they look great. They look yeah. great. They don't look as good as the plant in Little Shop of Horrors, which predates that movie. <laughs> and I, you'll never get me to say a bad word about the original Ninja Turtles movie. It's a classic. It's amazing. It is a classic. I love it. We'll review it on the show sometime. Hopefully. But the special effects of this movie are way better. It just They're flawless. Uh, so when you, even at the even at the end of the movie, you th you well, okay, that's fair. When it explodes, it does kind of fall apart, but that's not part of the puppetry. That's right. more of the visual effects side of things. Like they do, it doesn't bother me though because it only adds to the charm. Like the tone the movie sets allows for a little cheese, and I think that yeah. benefits it by when it the those visual effects. Like I said, the puppet's perfect, but the visual effects don't hold up uh, like that green screen. It almost adds a layer of charm to me. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I get behind that. It's uh, it's something that, like, the, fin the, the final scene of this movie is just Frank Oz just having fun, it felt like. Yeah, so they go there, and so after Mr. Mushnick gets eaten... He doesn't tell Audrey anything, who Audrey had a relationship with the guy, whatever. And they start to leave, and this is where we get the Jim Belushi cameo. And Jim Belushi is trying to buy the plant so they can spawn more plants. And at this point, Rick Moranis knows, well, we can't have that because this thing is killing things. And if they spawn even more plants, it's going to be worse. So he goes in to kill the plant, and then there's like a huge fight, a great musical number but it ends with the plant being electrocuted the little shop being torn to the ground and uh the plant exploding and what is uh, you know admittedly not the best effect in the world no it's uh i mean i th I, th I, <laughs> I like I don't know if I was ready for the movie to end, but the movie ended like abruptly, and I was like, "Okay." Well, you see, I'm, they get I'm fine with that. And that, so the final shot is they're moving into this house, where it's the green lawn and the white picket fence. But down in the garden is another one of these plants, and that's and the plant smiles and it kind of zooms in, and you you get your credits. 
Yeah. Now, I mean, it's a classic 80s It's awesome. Like, it's indie. It, I yeah. loved it. And so I think it's obvious that I definitely recommend the movie. I I enjoyed every minute of it. I found it thoroughly entertaining. I liked the music. Sure, the music's not as good as Greatest Showman. But I think the bar is set so high there that I don't know if we'll ever be topped, right? It's it's a great movie. But this movie is so much fun. It's funny. It's entertaining. It's visually stunning. And it's surprising in moments. Steve Martin is so... This is like the best I've seen him be in a long time. Like, I, And I love Steve Martin. I mean, The Man with Two Brains is great. The Lonely Guy is great. The Jerk, uh, he's awesome. He's on next level here. And I can't say enough good things about it. I love this movie. But Mark, do you recommend it? You know, when I think of 80s films... I didn't want a dissertation, I, but go ahead. No, go ahead. Listen, I gave you your time. That's fair, fair. Totally fair. I this movie is classic eighties. This is this is a movie I would I would tell anybody that's interested in 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 eighties film history, go watch this movie. Um it it is it is entertaining. And uh I I did have fun watching this movie. I just I I did not like Rick Moranis in the in the in the lead role, and you know whether that is because he's just too perfectly cast I don't know, um, but I just I felt like I needed more from Rick Moranis. But I got thankfully, what I felt like I needed more of Rick Moranis I got from uh, Steve Martin and John Candy and Bill Murray. And Levi Stubbs. You know, it was... It, everything made up for uh, Rick Moranis's, in my opinion, shortcomings uh, in the role. And so, you know what? I'm going to recommend Thank this God. film. All right. It matters to I'm me gonna, that you recommend. I know, I know. Especially a film that's great. Um, I, I just, I feel, I feel like something like this should be should be seen by anybody that's interested in a 80s is because these all these characters were mega movie stars in the 80s uh every actor that was in this that had a major role here uh especially Rick Moranis and you know and then you have the 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 practical effects and the practical practical effects were top notch and then you have the the stage the the production value of this it just it all it it all comes together you know really well and you've talked me into looking past Rick Moranis and so i i will recommend this one uh, I do think it deserves to be seen now you can go and make your own decision on how you feel about Rick Moranis's performance Go watch it on YouTube or Tubi or Ill, no, don't watch it on illegitimate means. Um, I mean, if you're watching illegitimatemeans.com, you're you've already won the battle. No, you've Fine. lost the battle. You've given up. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I have nowhere. That's not going anywhere. I, I just I can't. <laughs> um, so <laughs> next week is the last week of musical month. 
And if you remember, we picked School of Rock and then decided it didn't qualify. And we're mm. two men of integrity. Yeah, we are. And we said, okay. We have so much integrity. I've, I'm overflowing with uh, integrity. All right, you're pushing it. Um, you know, like, that's like saying you're so humble. I'm the most humble guy. You'll never meet anyone more humble than me. Right. Anyway. I dare you to find anybody as humble as I am. Okay. All right. Rick Moranis. Done. Now. <laughs> so to close out the month, we decided to watch Chicago. Uh, from 2002, starring uh, Richard Gere, Catherine Zeta-Jones, and Renee Zellweger. Now, Mark, before we started uh, the show, I had asked if you had heard about the the Richard Gere gerbil. And that didn't spark anything in your brain whatsoever. No. I don't know anything about R- Richard, Gere, Richard Gere's gerbil. So, back in the day, there was a rumor floating around. Now, this is, this is an article from Mel Magazine. And this is the what they say about the story. Quote, the story goes like this. Richard Gere once got a gerbil stuck up his ass and then had to go to the ER and get it removed. And that's it. End of story. Yet this single sentence narrative has somehow endured the test of time for decades, like some ancient folklore passed down from generation to generation. Why has the story been so durable? Where did it come from? Why the fuck is, our, why the fuck is a gerbil always the rodent of choice? Most importantly, is it a true? No, it's not true. But that you never heard that Richard Gere had a gerbil up his ass. I have now, and now I'm curious as to where that came from and why exactly was a gerbil chosen. Exactly. I mean, it speaks That's what they say in the article. It's stunning. Right? So we'll watch I, Chicago. Now, Mark, we need to decide on next month's theme. Right? Okay. We said uh, science fiction. Yes. So something I, science fictiony. Yeah, science fictiony. So I'm going to propose three options. I'm going to let you pick. Okay. I give you three options. You pick which of these. I'm going to say science fiction from the 80s. Okay. Okay. You don't have to pick it. Yeah. No. Okay. Okay. Science fiction that takes place completely on Earth. Okay. Or science fiction that takes place completely on other planets or out in spaceships, but never on Earth. Hmm. Listen, I know I know you're a big fan of old old film. Um so I'm not going to pick the 80s option. I figured you would never give me what I want, but that's okay because you've already agreed that June is Van Damme month. Yes, I know. I'm going to ruin you with that. I can't wait. Uh, so, let's let, let's go with with space movies in space. Okay, or on no, other planets. The, the big caveat, the big thing: no Earth. No Earth. Right. If they take off from Earth, too bad. Interstellar can't have out. It. Can't do nope. Interstellar. Can't do it. Right. They got to be in space already or on space. another planet. Yep. Whatever. All right. So that's going to be our theme for April science fiction. But we got to watch Chicago first. And we got to tell you to check out the floozies again. You're going to hear a good bit of it here at the end of the episode. And you're oh, gonna they're, go, they're so good. You're going to go to your favorite music app and you're going to check out some more. Then you're going to go follow them on their Instagram, on their Twitter, on the, uh, the MySpace. Yep. If that's the thing. Hey, go do that. Hey, did you have a MySpace back in the day? I did. 
Yeah, what what music was playing on your MySpace? Oh, so a lot of people don't know this. I used to be in a band called oh. Styrofoam. What? No, shut up, Google. Google chimed in for some reason. Google's about to let out all your secrets. Gonna play. I had a hit song <laughs> called Meow My Cat. Okay? It's holy holy shit. I it, Listen. No, you don't if, want if, this. Yeah, no. I'm, I just want to hear it. I, I just, I just want to hear it. I'm a cat. I'm a cat. Did you stick around for the Greatest Showman? I did. After credits? I did. Song? After credits? No, I did for the episode you edited. Yeah, that's what I'm talking yeah, about. This, yeah, I did. Okay, I'm just making sure. But I'd already seen the movie, so I didn't listen to the whole thing. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> you said, don't tell Jeff I did this, so I turned it off so I can <laughs> have plausible deniability. So <laughs> So, don't tell them I did this. Anyways, uh, catch us next week as we review our last movie in Musical Month, Chicago. Don't forget them Twitter socials. Oh, yeah. That's, Over hey, there. If, He's if, uh, I Heard You Liked on Twitter. And, Jeff, you uh, you have so many podcasts that your handle is Podcast by Jeff. That's right. You can check out Spielberg Chronologically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Uh, also, check out Budget Arcade where Mark and I and our friend Scott review Games that are free to play or cheap. Uh, what else do we do? That's it. Yeah. That's uh, it. Movie Draft House on Twitter. Hit us up. Give us some theme ideas and uh, movie suggestions. Even movie suggestions. If we get like uh, one that we're like, oh hell yeah, let's watch that. We'll come up with a theme. We're not picky. But it no, it'll be, it'll, it'll be some theme. abstract film or abstract theme. But yeah, I mean, it'll be like it's fine. Movies with dogs that have hats. Yeah. And then we'll try to make that work somehow. Bro, that, that's, that should really be a thing we do. I'm not doing it. I don't like talking animal movies. What? Who said they got to talk? You did. What if it's like Homeward Bound and you just hear the oh. thoughts? <laughs> I love Homeward Bound. I do too. That movie makes me cry every time I watch it. And I'm not even kidding. When Shadow but, comes over the hill and the music starts sweeping and this boy goes to him, Shadow, Shadow, all you hear is in the background. And then you turn around and I straight face you. And then you turn back around to watch the movie and you hear. <laughs> Bro, Michael, so J- Michael J. Fox though. as this. As, as this Chance. Wh- chance yeah. the dog, man. Sissy Space. Is it Sissy? No. Sissy Space. Um, yep. no, is it, it is. Sissy? Yeah. Okay. For some reason, I had it in my brain that it was. Um, Sab- uh, Sabrina? Is that the cat's name? No. no. Uh, it's. Um, Willow. Like Prissy. No, no, Prissy. Uh. No, it's not Prissy. <laughs> Priscilla. No, I don't know. It's Chance Shadow. Sassy. <laughs> it's Sassy. I know it. It is. It is. You're right. Great film. Homer about two is shit though. So <laughs> they ruined it. Lost in San Francisco. It's bad, man. I didn't cry at all. <laughs> it was angry. I was. How did they ruin it so bad? Anyway, uh, Homeward Bound month coming up. We're just going to watch one Homeward Bound movie all week. All Dogs Go to Heaven will be in that month, too. Okay. Okay. Turner. That's Hooch. a sad fucking movie. Hey, Liz, Turner watch that, is a sad movie. <laughs> watch that movie. Watch All Dogs Go to Heaven as, no, as a, an adult and look at all the themes. And you're like, okay. holy shit. You ever seen The Secret of Nim? Yes. 
That movie will mess you up. Yeah. If you're a kid. That movie's you know, terrifying. Five anyway, Goes we're West. Adding, yeah, that'll make you cry. No, <laughs> Five Goes West is is all right. The American Tale, the original Five movie, that one's terrifying too. We'll catch you next week. Yeah.